do is I'm gonna go over here to go to that elevator mark and New White House mess. New Russia shit storm.
right, thank you for that, and, and welcome to the George Wilder Junior Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in, listening, and calling, and all of that kind of thing. It, it just makes my day, and I'm pretty sure it makes your day. And I want to thank all the guests that, that have been on the show this week and who are just so great and wonderful. I still got to get back to Lisa Pruitt. I have to uh, hook her up with a link to the show, of her show, the show that she was on. I haven't forgotten you, Lisa. For, forgotten you, Lisa. <laughs> if I could say it, I can't talk. Okay, my guest today is author Celine Healy. And as always, we do have commentary, the latest stuff, the latest news and all that kind of stuff. This is a talk show, not necessarily a political talk show, even though that's what it says on the marquee. Um, yeah, politics, um, public, uh, stuff like that. And uh, yeah, this this is uh, and it's a beautiful day in the city of Chicago. And folks, as always, I want to say that I wish I hope it's beautiful where you are. And I hope you're not lying around feeling depressed and lost and helpless because of what's going on in the world. You have to stay positive. You have to stay up. You have to stay out here in your community, working in your community. You've got to, you know, embolden people. You have to lead people sometimes to do the right thing. Uh, even though they may want to do the right thing, some people just need a little push in order in that direction and to do in doing the right thing. Excuse me. So we don't want nobody feeling depressed because of what's going on in the world. We want you to feel energized. We want you to be pissed off. We want you to be mad as hell. And we want you to uh, ignite and ignite the people around you and get them to the polls, the voting booths, November 6, 2018. We have to get these assholes out. I mean, <laughs> uh, there is no doubt about this, folks. Donald Trump is a traitorous traitor. He gave up the United States on the world stage to Vladimir Putin, and the guy is still, as as I'm saying, coming up with sh- lying bullshit to try to say that didn't happen. He's trying to say it didn't happen. Donald Trump is a liar. He's all over the place reading material that he doesn't want to read. People are writing shit for him that he doesn't want, but he feels he has to because the whole world is dissing him, saying he's a traitor. He's a traitor, and he is. And he still, if you, if you listen to him even now, he still is not really denying what he said on that stage in Helsinki. In Helsinki, that's the way you pronounce it, Helsinki, Finland. Uh, on stage with uh, Vladimir Putin, and he—I mean—he just gave up the United States. He looked weak. He looked out of it. Uh, he, and, and, and the world saw this. He was representing the United States as the world looked on on live television, and he looked like he could hardly stand up. If you if if you saw it, the podium that he was talking from was actually holding him up. <laughs> uh, because, I mean, he couldn't actually stand up on his own two feet without leaning over onto the podium, which was uh, holding him up. Remember, Donald Trump is over six feet, I believe, and he's, you know, a bit weighty. You know, so the podium was holding him, and he's still going around lying, and the suck asses. On Fox News, they're still trying to say that they're, that Donald Trump is their man. He's the one. The suck asses are Sean Hannity, Lou Dobbs, you know, and, and so many others on uh, 
uh, Fox News that are defending his performance on the world stage where he just became a traitor. He became uh, not the leader of the free world anymore. He looks so weak. Even when he's trying to, even if you see him in in a latest clip on television or something where he's denying that he said what he said, he's denying that we heard what we heard. That's crazy. But this is what Donald, this is how he thinks. And now uh, he's reading all of these denials about Wood and Witten. I'm not going to even go into that. Wood and Witten. I mean, because that's total bullshit. There's no doubt about it. Just like so many other people out here, Donald Trump thinks we're stupid. He thinks that we are the stupidest people in the world. Americans are the stupidest people in the world. We're not, Donald. You are. You're stupidest person in the world for thinking that we're stupid. We're not. And, and he's going around right now, folks, still trying to defend that speech, saying that I'm going to protect elections now. He's not going to protect a damn thing. He's lying. Donald Trump has told over 4,000 lies, folks, provable lies, lies that are on the books, lies that are all over the place in videos and, and interviews. Nobody believes Donald Trump. We all think that he's a traitor, and that's what he is. No matter what he says, no matter how he tries to crawl his ass out of this, it's not going to work. Too many people in high places are calling this guy a scumbag, a traitor, a clown, a fool, a buffoon. And the Republicans are saying the same thing, but they are not doing doing anything about him. They are not a they are not protecting America against this madman. They're not doing their job of protecting this country against Donald Trump. They could do a lot. They could take away his powers or some of them. They can impeach him. They can throw him out. But if Donald Trump is impeached, then we get Mike Pence, and he's just another Donald Trump suck ass. That's all Mike Pence is. And he's proud to be a suck ass. Just like so many of Donald Trump's few supporters, they're proud to be kissing his ass. And they will tell you that. But we're not. The smart people, the intelligent people, the bright people, the educated people, and so many others, we will always see this clown as a traitor to the United States. And we will always see Congress kissing his feet, licking his boot because they're afraid to stand up to this clown, to this jackass who should not be in the White House. He is a fake president. He is a illegitimate president. This is what he is. And I don't care what Fox News think. I don't give a damn what some of these Republicans uh, companies or, or websites or whatever the hell they are, they are taking up for some guy who they know damn well is a traitor. Things he said to Vladimir Putin on that stage in Helsinki, Finland, is things he said before. That's not the first time that Donald Trump has kissed Putin's ass. He's done it several times in the past. He said the same. So how in the hell did he misspeak? He did not misspeak, and we know he didn't misspeak. 
those folks, those stupid ass people over there at Fox News know that Donald Trump did not misspeak. They're so busy licking his boots and trying to protect him, to keep his ass out of jail, to keep him from being impeached and to and, and lying for him. It's just pathetic. It's just pathetic. He's an embarrassment to the United States. I mean, there are so many publications out here that are mocking Donald Trump for his awful and disgraceful performance in Helsinki, Finland. Wow. And now he's still trying to backtrack on what he's saying. Every time you look around, some surrogate of his is getting on television or on the news saying that Donald Trump is a great president. Then you got people saying, well, Donald Trump, he really doesn't know what he's doing. He's doing this for the first time. He's the president of the United States. He should know when to use would or wouldn't, which is stupid. It sounds like something you would, <laughs> you would learn in a third grade English class, when to use would and when to use wouldn't or would not. Wouldn't is a contraction of would not. I'm pretty sure Donald Trump and some of the people who work for his ass don't even know that. And that's you learn that in third grade, if not second. Uh, all right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show. Um, <laughs> my guest is Celine Healy. All right, be nice to one another out there. And I'm, I'm being nice as I can, folks. But we're uh, in some troubled times here. Uh, let no one steal your uh, hopes and dreams. They will truly try. Strive to become the best at what you do. No matter what you do, be the best at it. And if you want something something out there, you want to make a life for yourself, go get it. Nothing's going to come through your door. Nobody's going to knock on your door and give you a million bucks. If you want a million bucks, you got to find a way to make it, <laughs> to make that kind of money legitimately. Just go after it. You know, I mean... Uh, dreams, goals, uh, you know, ambition, you need all of that to, to uh, strive for your dreams. You know, and, and it doesn't matter what age you are. It doesn't. I mean, you can be 60, 70, 80 years old, and you can still be striving for your dreams because you're not dead until you're dead. If you got dreams, you got goals, you got things you want to do, do it. And let the world know what you're doing so they can compliment you on it. Or either try to uh, give you some constructive criticism on, on what you want to do in life. So always try to uh, strive, strive to be the best that you can be. You know, be the best that you can be. Be good at what you do. And I, as I was telling a guest, the, uh, one, uh, another, excuse me, I can't even talk. As I was telling a guest uh, on another show at, on another time that you can do and you can be anything you want. There was a time when being the president of the United States was really something kids uh, tried to achieve. But now we just uh, – this <laughs> this presidency and this president has just ruined all of that. <laughs> this guy is a mess, um, a traitor, a traitorous. He's, he acts as if he doesn't like the United States. And Donald Trump has always threw people under the bus. He's thrown his own Republicans under the bus. He's thrown his own intelligence agencies under the bus. He's thrown his, the FBI under the bus. People who work for him, he, they don't even like him. They don't even trust him. 
The Republicans complain, complain, complain about him, but yet they do nothing. They had an opportunity to uh, discipline Trump or, or take away his powers or to do this or do that. They refused. They let this man sit in office. They let this man continue to wreck America, continue to embarrass America on the, on the world stage, all because they want Donald Trump to do their dirty work. They need Donald Trump to sign legislation that they put in front of them. They need Donald Trump to sign off on this Supreme Court mix, this Supreme Court uh, nominee. They need him for that. The Republicans want Donald Trump in office. I think if Donald Trump was was dying, crippled, and, and just out of it, they would wheel him in <laughs> to sign legislation to cut Social Security, health care, food stamps, rental assistance. They will wheel him in to do that. The Republicans, the reason why they don't want – and I think another reason why they don't want to – uh, impeach Donald Trump. It's because they don't want Mike Pence. Because Mike Pence is probably a lot worse because he's one of Trump's most most uh, 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 how can I say this? He's one of Trump's most uh, loyal sub- subjects, loyal subjects, and a, a total total ass kisser. Mike Pence. That's all he's getting paid for. We we paying Mike Pence to kiss Donald Trump's ass. And he's doing a good job of it. He keeps doing it. He he praises Donald Trump as if Donald Trump is his king and emperor. Yeah, he may be Pence's king and emperor, but he's not the king and emperor of the American people. He will never, ever be a dictator. Most dictators show strength. They show uh, poise. They show muscle. Donald Trump was the weakest thing ever on that stage standing beside Putin. Putin was the... Donald Trump embarrassed the United States by showing so much weakness. Weakness. And then he comes home and tries to say... Uh, I mean, he had, I mean, if he was going to deny any of that stuff, he had plenty of time to deny it. But I think he waited 24 to 48 hours to say anything. Why? Because they was writing stuff for him. They was writing things for him to say. They was telling him that the American people think you're a traitor. You, you really put down the United States for Russia. So he had to get out there and say something. Remember, when Donald Trump is reading a statement, when he's reading something someone else wrote, because Donald Trump doesn't write, Donald Trump doesn't read. He doesn't study. He doesn't do anything. So if somebody writes a speech for him and sticks it in front of him to read, look at his body language. Look at his body language. He doesn't want to read that shit. <laughs> he doesn't want to say, uh, he doesn't want to apologize. He doesn't want to back because he said what he meant. Donald Trump never says anything he doesn't want to say. And for him to try to backtrack, this is more laughable, more laughable. Because I think all he, to me and some others, all he's done is just make the shit worse. 
it, it's a lot worse now, especially with this wood and wooden. He makes it a lot worse. He makes it a lot worse. And then he's trying to clarify that, backing that, backtracking on that. Everything he says uh, that sounds ridiculous and people criticizes, criticizes him for, even people in high places, he'll go look at it and he'll backtrack. He'll backtrack it. He'll go say something else. He'll say something else. He'll, then he'll go lie and backtrack it. Donald Trump, I think, has lied about six or seven times, if not more, uh, since the uh, Helsinki uh, uh, summit with Putin. He didn't lie six or seven times. He even got on the camera and lied. Well, would and wouldn't, and you know, I didn't read that. Uh, I do. Uh, you know, he just lies. You can't believe him. This is why I've been saying, and so many other people are saying, Donald Trump and, and Russia will attack the midterm elections. There's no doubt about it. Donald Trump is not going to protect the midterm elections, even if he says it. Because he's, if he says he's going to do it, he's saying it because he's under pressure to say it. That's not Donald Trump. Donald Trump wants to win a second term. He doesn't want a blue wave uh, in November. So he's going to try to do everything he can to stop a blue wave because a blue wave will get him impeached. A blue wave will will uh, um, get his finances, including his taxes. Okay? A blue wave will curtail his power. A blue wave would probably get him uh, put in jail for uh, treason. It's all in the Constitution, and we know the Republicans, they don't give two shits about the Constitution, but the Democrats, they do. They do. And maybe, maybe, just maybe Nancy Pelosi, the Speaker, the Minority Speaker of the House, if she should win election, re-election in November, maybe she's changed her mind about impeaching Trump, because she doesn't want to impeach him. The last time I heard, she, uh, she didn't want to impeach him. Maybe she have changed her mind. I don't know. But if Nancy Pelosi does not want to impeach Trump, she should step the hell down. And we'll put somebody in there who will get that piece of crap out of our White House. Period. But I do know Matt, uh, Maxine Waters, which is, she's one of my favorites. I love Maxine Waters because she gets right she gets in Trump's ass, and Trump's don't like. And he don't like that. He don't like that. So she gets in his ass. She's been quiet so far because they're trying to say that she uh, uh, incite violence at one of her, you know, talks. She wasn't. She wasn't. This is just the Donald Trump and the Republicans lying on her, uh, tr- uh, trying to. Uh, uh, it was politically motivated. Let me put it that way. You know, they're trying to get. Brownie points or or voting points for saying that she tried to do that, and she didn't. I mean, if you listen to the clip, she clearly did not say go out and hurt somebody. She might have said go out and uh, you know um, harass them, but she didn't say go out and hurt anybody. I because I listened to the clip. Actually, I got it here. But anyway. Um, Wow, I've talked a lot, haven't I? (laughs) 
All right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show. Uh, I mean, we are in some trying times here, folks. We are in some trying times. And um, the George Wilder Jr. Show is on your side. I'm not a Democrat and I'm not a Republican, folks. I'm an independent. I look at both sides and I criticize where I see fit. That's how I do it. Uh, I criticize where I see fit. Okay, let's see if we can do this. It is July 16th, 2018. Many are saying this is a day that will live in infamy. That's true. They say it will be remembered as the day the presidency, as a symbol of America's protection, died. But I see something else as a result here. I think we hit bottom. And if so, there's a blessing in that because there can be no more debate about which way is up. Donald John Trump delivered us here with a display of cowardly self-interest. His decision to choose to believe Vladimir Putin over his own government on the matter of Russian attacks on our election. As simple and as shocking as it was embarrassing to hear those words. But when it happened, everything changed. It was like the free world gasped. Now, we all knew that Trump wouldn't and maybe couldn't confront Putin about his attack on our democracy to anyone's true satisfaction, if only because Trump had disparaged the truth of the matter too many times before. And we thought we knew why. Because Trump conflates the attack with his legitimacy as president. But in all that, we never suspected that a president would betray his own country as an exercise in vanity. But then Donald Trump betrayed America. And after that gasp at Trump's perfidy, came all the exhaled words of outrage and calls for justice. John Brennan, the former CIA director under President Obama, called it, quote, nothing short of treasonous. Now, that's a loaded word. The law does mention giving enemies aid and comfort as treasonous. And no question, Russia is an enemy for attacking our democracy. And what Trump did today does resemble aiding and comforting. And the law has very harsh penalties, including disqualifying the treasonous from holding yeah, but office. Like but what's the reality? The there will likely is... be no negative consequence like that for President Trump. No prosecution, no impeachment. It and I'm not be. making a case here that there should be. My case is for something else that we're seeing in response that has been elusive. As elusive as justice in America recently. And that is consensus. Right, left, and reasonable in our government. When they drew their next breath, They found a collective voice and they shouted, no, no, Putin is not right. Trump is wrong. We believe our institutions. We trust in our democracy. Russia did interfere. We will not trade facts for feelings of legitimacy. We will not trade our conscience for conspiracies. No, party is not that important. The truth, however, is, and I see a realization in this unity. The realization is this. The truth is a side. And we were all on the right side in this moment in a way that I haven't seen in a long time. And in that moment, Trump's luck ran out. He wasn't going to escape through doubling down and insulting his way out of it. He tried. Russia did this during Obama. Servers are missing. The FBI agent, he's the real culprit. It all washed over us like the whining of a child who won't go to bed. 
The GOP can't dismiss this as style and say, let's wait and see. We waited too long, and the world did see and heard what President Donald Trump said. My people came to me, Dan Coates came to me and some others. They said they think it's Russia. Uh, I have uh, President Putin. Uh, he just said it's not Russia. I will say this. I don't see any reason why it would be. So I have great confidence in my intelligence people. But uh, I will tell you that President Putin was extremely strong and powerful in his denial today. And what the president tweeted after as a rationale, it only cemented his mistake. So here's the good news. Here we all are on the same page about a fundamental truth. Russia attacked our democracy. We won't stand for it. We won't let the president say otherwise. But we're facing a question. Where do we go from here? But here's what we know for sure. You've got Republicans, you've got Democrats, and right now they're on the same page. And if they move together, they will wind up in a better place. The George Wilder Jr. Show is now on the air. the George Wilder Jr. Show, everybody. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your comments, your calls, your participation. It all works here. It all does. And I've been doing this a long time. And I tell you, I enjoy 
every, 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 every moment of it. And I put everything together myself. You know, I mean, uh, I'm the producer, I'm the director, uh, I'm the host, uh, I'm it. So if you got any complaints, make them all to me. I don't need to pay someone to do something I can do, right? Uh, okay, let's go to the... Hi, you're on the George Wilder Jr. Show. Hello. Hello, uh, Celine? Yes, yeah, Celine, actually. Hilly, yeah, I, we were, yeah, I, I got you here, I got you here, I got you. So uh, Celine Healy on the George Wilder Jr. Show, everybody, she is an author. She's going to tell us about what she writes and why should we, give us a little bit of your bio. Yeah, well, I I used to be an accountant and um, mm-hmm. I'm obviously from Australia because I have a funny accent and um, <laughs> I funny. was in the... <laughs> Oh, no. oh, it's I, cool. Uh, it's, it's a beautiful you, accent. I'm, yeah. I'm just joking. Thank you so much. I, I found that I was in the wrong um, career for my personality type. And so so what that meant was I was trying to fit in, you know. And um, so it, it, I was there for a, a long time. And, um, uh-huh. you know, I was quite successful. But everything everything was an effort. And um, I became really, really stressed out and I went to burnout and I had to give up that profession. I mean, I should have done that years before. And Mm -hmm. so that burnout sent me on a journey to um, unravel that and um, why it happened and what happened and how to overcome it. So, So eventually, having done all that, I found that that was my passion. I, I love talking about stress and how you can overcome it and really simple things to do. And um, so what happened was I did a million courses and seminars and webinars and nothing that they told me would stick, you know, because yeah. they were approaching everything from a a mindset or a conscious level willpower kind of approach. And mm. I could feel stressed, depressed, anxious or whatever. How can you suddenly go, oh, I have to now meditate, you know. It's just not possible. So mm-hmm. so what I did was um, I thought, okay, how can I get easy techniques that actually work and do things one step at a time so you master easy steps along the way so that mm-hmm. we only work out what our true goals are at the end after we've cleared out all the gunk. So yeah, that's kind yeah. of the approach that I took, you know. So really okay. simple because I have a very simple, simple approach. Yeah. Yeah, but we all know that stress can leads to can lead to uh, dangerous health. Absolutely, absolutely. And the thing is, a lot of people who are kind of adrenaline junkies don't kind of yeah. understand that because we're kind of looking at things short term, you know. So yeah, if you've mm-hmm. got a pain or you've got tension somewhere in your body, that's your body trying to tell you something. And in some Mm -hmm. instances, and I I mean, I do this too. If if I've got a deadline to meet, I've got a project to do and I'm in pain, Mm -hmm. you know, some some part of my body, I take a a pill, you know, to actually get rid of the pain so I can deal with the situation. And that's kind Mm -hmm. of normal. But if you continue to do that, Something is going to happen to your physiology. You know, you're going to yeah, get into Yeah, I totally care. agree. I totally agree. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so really, uh, it's about okay. 
you've got to be able to recognize the signs and symptoms of stress. Mm -hmm. And so I mm -hmm. came up with a, a definition that is kind okay. of all-encompassing. So it kind of caps, captures everybody and it says, okay, if you are struggling to achieve something, so that means you're going against your, you know, your true self, if you're straining against something, and so that need, might mean your beliefs or the company's goals or, you know, that kind of thing. Um, if you're stuck in a rut, so you're finding you can't make a decision, that's also stress. If you've got um, pain in your body or tension, and the really yeah. big one, the kind of all-encompassing one is if you are coming from a position of lack, lack of anything, resources, friends, money, whatever it is, just stress, you know? So yeah. all of those things, yeah, go into making wow. what stress is. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. I, and, and it's, uh, I mean, you've got a lot of people out here in the world, you know, uh, uh, walking around every day with loads of stress. Well, it's, in Australia, and I'm sure it's probably the same in America, we have, 87% of the workers are stressed, and that's at all levels. Yeah. So that's mild, medium, and severe. But there's only 13% who are engaged and um, actively participating and contributing. And, and the 13%, there was actually a study in the Washington Post about that. So, yeah. Yeah. so you say, okay, what are the, what are the other 87% doing? You know, And they're the stressed people. So... It's kind of like starting on this journey a few years ago, like writing the book and, and all that kind of stuff. It's, I moved more, you know, like I've got individuals and then I do corporates as well. And, and it's about, mm -hmm. I found that people don't understand that mental health, the basis of this is stress. No? Yeah, yeah. The basis of depression or anxiety is stress. So, so, right, you know, right. Uh, one question. My question. Yeah. Um, uh, we know that people are stressful. How would you eliminate stress from your life? Yes, yes, that is the trick and that is the key. And it's, mm -hmm. it's really quite um, simple. And the biggest, easiest thing to do is deep belly breathing. And okay. quite frankly, I know I know that sounds strange. In fact, you can you don't have to do anything else. Because I'm looking but, at my belly uh, right now. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I'll, I'll just <laughs> I'll try and describe what happens when a, yeah. a stress or trigger is activated. So, say for example, mm -hmm. someone says something to you, and you you know feel defensive or whatever. What happens is you go like this. You go, <gasps> and so what that means is you're doing shallow breathing from the top of your chest mm -hmm. and that is actually reminding your brain that you're not getting enough oxygen. So you've been mm -hmm. repeating this habit throughout your life so that now 99% mm -hmm. of people breathe like this, <gasps> like that. Right? Yeah, so, yeah. yeah, so seriously, the simplest, quickest, easiest way to go is you have to retrain your physiology, and this is my uh, hypothesis, you have to retrain your physiology and increase mm -hmm. your energy. Huh? So when uh -huh. you do that, because you actually, when, when you breathe properly, you're actually getting more oxygen and you're actually getting more energy at the same time. So you, you're doing that in one thing. So breathing also makes you more present 
give you yeah. more focus, helps you sleep better, all of those other things, right? Just breathing. Yeah. Just and people yeah. go, but it can't be that easy. And you're going, well, I'm sorry, it is. <laughs> it is. <laughs> you know, um, when I was, um, I mean, when, at one of my jobs, I had a very, very a stressful job and it was dealing, I dealt with a lot of people every day. I, I brought them into the office. I set them down. Uh, we discussed their problems. I mean, it, I mean, that was one stressful job. It was very stressful. Yes. And, uh, yes. I, there was so much, I was so stressful that I could feel the stress in my body. I could feel yeah, it. Yeah, sure. I, uh, yeah. So yeah. You, you know what I did? You know what I did to to try to eliminate some of that stress? And it kind of oh, worked. What, 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 I yeah. went to the gym. Yeah. And yeah. I, I got on the uh, life cycle and mm. I was just exercising, just row, rowing, paddling on the life cycle at the gym. And I could feel yeah. a lot of that stress falling off. Yes. Just falling yes. off. Yeah. Yes. Look, there are there are different kinds of stresses. You know, there's like situational uh-huh. stress, which is what you are in in uh-huh. your job, and there's yeah. physical stress, whereby um, you know your desk and your chair aren't the right height, or the mm-hmm. computer's at the wrong height, and you know that kind of thing. Um, and then there's um, perceived threat. You know, when you're in traffic and, you know, someone's doing yeah, something to yeah. you and you're kind of honking your horn and that sort of thing. So there's different kinds of stresses. Now, the real yeah. stress that keeps carrying forward is the mm-hmm. one that you have been programmed with around the, the ages of zero to six. So mm-hmm. so what happens, you're born into a, uh, a family of origin. They have experiences. And then the child downloads programs to survive, yeah? And some of these Mm -hmm. programs are just quite wrong, you know, or negative, yeah? And so then the child, they don't have conscious reasoning, you know, before about seven or eight. So they're just taking everything in. They're copying um, what the parents or the primary caregivers do. They're making um, assumptions or interpretations of these experiences. And they're forming a perception about how the world works. And so they go, okay, when she says this to me, when I do that, I'm a good boy. You know? so, <laughs> so, so they adopt yeah. coping strategies yeah. <laughs> and they adopt yeah, these well. coping strategies. Yeah, that work, right? So, right? so what happened is throughout life, in that cementing period between zero and six, you're learning your biggest, beliefs and approaches mm-hmm. to life. So mm. if, if you are not pliable enough or um, probably um, have the mindset, you won't be able to change. So you continue to react to situations in that mode. So if you've learned mm-hmm. depression as a coping mechanism or anger or anxiety or anywhere in between, you'll continue to use those things right throughout your life until you, you know, mm. get smart and you know, learn how to change. Yeah. Uh, so that's the real. All right, stress, Celine yeah? Healy on the George Wilder Junior Show. Tell us a little bit about your book. Let's talk about your My book. My book is called um, "Boost Success in All Areas of Your Life," and it's how to build uh-huh. ultimate resilience and energy. 
And mm. this is um, like years of research and me yeah. developing a five-step model to, okay, mm-hmm. let's just take one thing at a time and master that. So in the first step, actually I'll just um, tell you a bit about that at the back here. I've got this. It's about like building a, trying to build a house and you get the block of yeah. land, yeah? Yeah. And you yeah. get the block of land and it's got boulders and tree stumps and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So you've got to clear yeah. that block of land. So my mm-hmm. step first is repair the physiology. Okay. So the repair the physiology is about breathing and getting more oxygen and mending your heart. Because if you have negative thoughts, the negative thoughts are expressed through your heart. So you're damaging your heart yeah. at the same time. I've heard yeah. that. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah. that's step one, and we do that for um, six weeks over a seven-week period. And seriously, that's all you do. We, what we're trying to do is change one habit. And so, if you yeah. change your behaviour, then you're going yeah. to act out differently, and you're going to feel differently, and you're going to change yeah. your belief. By the way, exactly. yeah? so yeah. so you yeah. don't have to talk about we're going to you know do this meditating technique or whatever it is, you know, we're just going to breathe. Can you, do you have your book with you? Can you, can you read us a paragraph or something? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. okay. Um, right. I've got here. Um, okay. So moving from a position of stress right through mm-hmm. to success involves mm-hmm. changing how you do things and becoming yeah. really clear about who you are and what you want. Mm-hmm. In order to do this, you will need to clear your slate and clean up the basis of your life and set mm-hmm. about focusing and gaining such clarity that the mm-hmm. results you want will automatically flow into your life. Wow. So it's about doing these steps in order to get yeah. into flow. So it's about mm-hmm. resolving stress permanently. So when you were saying, yes, you go to the gym, that's one aspect, but that doesn't get to the emotional issues. So this is about resolving stress permanently. But I I guess I was alluding to, when I was saying that, I guess I alluded to that exercise also can eliminate some stress. Yes. Well, that's step three, right? Step one, as I said, we just do one thing. Step one, we do breathing. Step two, mm-hmm. we do a process to actually eliminate the major negative beliefs mm-hmm. that rule yeah. your world. And I've got them all set out on page yeah. 120 and 121. Oh, okay. And there are only about nine. And people keep, um, you know, repeating these beliefs over and over. For example, my mother told me I was not good enough, you know. Throughout mm-hmm. my life, <laughs> continue to tell me this thing. So, so what that means is if someone criticised me, I would try to defend myself all the time to prove that I was good enough. So that's what happens. Yeah. But step two, we look at those deep underlying beliefs and get rid of that, right? So then uh-huh. when you feel better, in step three you go, wow, I feel better. Now I can do exercise. Now I can eat better, you know. Now I can do something else, yeah? Mm-hmm. So it's step yeah. by step by step because if you try and change yeah. too many things at once, it's just too yeah. hard. Yeah. So okay. then step four, we go, okay, let's look at who you are on a deep level 
So there's a couple of personality profiles that we look at and we look at your innate skills, talents and abilities and learn to use those 80% of the time, then you won't get stressed. Yeah? Okay. Then the final Great. step is having all of those okay. things, you can mm-hmm. now set goals. Set goals that okay. are in alignment with the new you, yeah? And they'll yeah. come, <laughs> your goals will kind of speed, <laughs> speed yeah, towards you at great you. pace because yeah. you're clear, yeah. you know? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So okay. That's, that's what it's about. <laughs> All right, Celine Healy on the George Wilder Jr. Show. Um, how are you? How is the book doing? It, it's published, right? Uh, how is it doing so far? How are people reacting to your book, to this book? So when people read the book, they go, "Uh huh," uh-huh. because it's based on scientific research, and mm-hmm. um, everything's tried and tested and proven. And when they read the book, they go, "Uh huh." Wow, uh-huh. this makes sense. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it does. <laughs> so at the moment, I, yeah. <laughs> at the moment, I use it when I give talks. I um, either sell mm. them or hand them out, and okay. um, and that's how that's working. But what I've done just recently is I've uploaded it on Amazon as an ebook. Yeah. So people yeah, can yeah. there as well. Usually. Mm. Yeah, usually when I buy books, um, it's it's a Kindle book, you know. Uh, I I I very seldom mm. buy a hardback, even though a lot of hardbacks mm. are. I have nothing against the hardbacks, but I'm just so used to the Kindle. And nowadays, people mm. are uh, uh, with their phones. I mean, you can easily download a book uh, onto yeah. their phones and and they're reading it. So I I think Kindle is here to stay. And but also I think hardbacks and paperbacks are here to stay. They're just taking a back seat to the Kindle. That's all I think. Anyway, a lot of people are saying, "Well, I, I'll never put down a paperback or or a yeah, hardback." Yeah, look, which, which, which is their preference, you know? Yeah, yeah. Look, um, if I'm reading a detective story, which I often yeah. do, um, mm-hmm. I love to have a hard copy. If I'm reading yeah. a um, a nonfiction book. Um, I get Kindled. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So it's just kind of because they're so um, they're, yeah. they're not very expensive and they're easy to read and you can read it, you know, traveling or whatever it is, you know. Yeah, so yes, yeah. I agree. Kindle you, is the way to go. But you know what? You don't see too many people reading hardbacks anymore. I mean, I, I used to jump on the train here and a few years mm. ago and everybody had a magazine, everybody had a newspaper, someone was reading a paperback, someone was reading a, a hardcover. You don't see that anymore. Mm. It's it's the cell phones now. You know, it's Facebook. I mean, <laughs> everybody's on Facebook. <laughs> it's, it's probably the age thing, you know. When we get past age, we kind of. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway, uh, Celine Healy on the George Wilder Jr. Show. Tell us where we can go get your book. How do we uh, uh, download it? Where is it located? Give us yeah. a website and all that good yeah. stuff. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if you. Buy it on Kindle on Amazon. Uh-huh. Um, mm-hmm. It's under. I mean, you can go under my name, Celine Healy, C E L I N H E A L Y, and mm-hmm. um, I've got several books there. But the the one that we're talking about is Boost Success in All Areas of okay. Your Life. Okay. Now I've got the three. I've got the a three minute process for breathing on my website. Um, mm-hmm. so they can go to my website, which is Stress to Success. Wow. That's pretty easy. Yeah. yeah. So that makes sense, doesn't it? Stress. Yeah. Stress. I mean, it's so that's pretty what easy. Okay. Yeah. All right, Celine. So okay. You, okay. you got more. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. 
Oh, um, yeah, the three-minute process is a little breathing technique, which is based on what I do. Mm-hmm. So they can practice okay. that for a week and let me know how you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we will, because I'm going to go get the book. I'm going to go. I'm gonna download it, uh, and I'm going to um, uh, probably talk about it on the show either tomorrow or next week. You know, and I'm going to try oh, to help. Them. Yeah, that that'll be great. And I'm going to talk about it on the show next week and uh, uh, and tell everybody what I think about it. And uh, hopefully uh, uh, you'll get more sales. Yeah, that'd be lovely. And if, if people, you know, like it or what have you, um, to leave yeah. a little um, a review of some description. That yeah, helps yeah, too, you yeah, know? yeah. So, okay, mm-hmm. okay. I will leave a review. Thank you for telling me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I want to thank you for being on the show. I want to thank you for being on the show. And if, uh, are you on Facebook? I can send you a link to the show yes. that you're on, uh, that yes, to this show I'm, that you're on. I can send you a link and you can maybe put it on your website and people can come, your readers can come by your website yes. and click on this show yep. and listen to you. Okay. Well, I'll put it up on my uh, LinkedIn as well because I've got about yeah. nine thousand connections. Yeah, that'd be lovely. Yeah, uh, yeah, and people can that'd listen to you on the show. Thank you so much. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, no Thank problem. Um, all right. Thanks for being on the show. Give me about an uh, hour or two hours, and I will get get you that link to the show. Okay. Okay. Lovely. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. And please come back. Bye bye. Okay. Bye. <laughs> All right, Celine Healy on the George Wilder Journey Show. I will go get the book because I am a reader, and I do like to review books, especially reviewing books of people who are on the show. I get I get people wanting me to inter- uh, to review their books all the time. Sometimes I do and sometimes I don't. depends on the book itself. Um, I don't review muscle books, and I do not review erotica, okay? Uh or sex books. I don't review those kinds of books, folks. So, you know, keep it clean. And you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show. And I thank my guest, Lorraine Healy, for being such a great guest uh, on the George Wilder Jr. Show.
separate children from their parents. How dare you pull children out of the arms of their mothers? How dare you lie and say you couldn't do anything about it? You're the one who caused it, and you're the one that we're going to make to turn it back because what you're doing now is lying, lying, lying. The American people have put up with this president long enough. What more do we need to see? What more lies do we need to hear? It is time for us to say, even though there are those who don't want us to say it, Mr. President, you need to be impeached. and Putin, his love of the, of the dictators of the world, how he has not said one word about the fact that they tapped into our DNC, underlined our democratic process. He's not said one thing about it, but he can wrap his arms around another dictator, Kim Jong-un, and tell us we ought to swallow it. We're through with you, Mr. President.
they said publicly that they were going to separate these children from their parents in an issue that they have tried to use to get that wall built so they can intimidate all of us. But again, the message has to be, Mr. President, we're not afraid of you. We're not afraid of Jeff Sessions. We're not afraid of John Kelly. We're not afraid of your administration. And while you think you have gotten away with everything that you have done, we are going to show you that you haven't gotten away with anything. We want the children back. We want them connected to their parents. We want it done now. We're going to insist on it. If you think we're rallying now, you ain't seen nothing yet. Already, you have members of your cabinet uh, that are being booed out of restaurants. Who have protested taking up at their house. Who saying no peace, no sleep. No peace, no sleep. And guess what? We're going to win this battle because while you try and quote the Bible, Jeff Sessions and others, you really don't know the Bible. God is on our side. On the side of the children. On the side of what's right. On the side of what's honorable. On the side of understanding that if we can't protect the children, we can't protect anybody. And so, let's stay the course. Let's make sure we show up wherever we have to show up. And if you see anybody from that cabinet in a restaurant, in a department store, at a gasoline station, you get out and you create a crowd. And you push back on them. And you tell them they're not welcome anymore, anywhere. We've got to get the children connected to their parents. The children are suffering. We don't know if the shots that they're going through can ever be overcome. We don't know what damage is being done to these children. All that we know is they're in cages, they're in prisons, they're in jails. I don't care what they call it, that's where they are. And Mr. President, we will see you every day, every hour of the day, everywhere that we are, to let you know you cannot get away with this. Thank you so very much. Hey, everybody. The George Wilder Jr. Show is now in session. The finest internet radio talk show and podcast in the land of Illinois on the north side of the great, great city of Chicago. We are now on the air. Fun time, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for joining me. Have a great time.
stupid does Trump think we Americans are? The president's excuse for his embarrassing press conference where he sided with Vladimir Putin over his own intelligence chiefs does not add up. We are learning tonight that driven by fear of resignations in the intelligence community, the president decided that he would say he misspoke during one of the multiple times that he took Putin's side against America's in that press conference. And so, after meeting with top aides today, President Trump read from a prepared statement, offering up, frankly, what seems to be a dog-ate-my-homework excuse on how things went terribly wrong in Helsinki. In a key sentence in my remarks, I said the word would instead of wouldn't. The sentence should have been, I don't see any reason why it wouldn't be Russia. Sort of a double negative. So you can put that in, and I think that probably clarifies things pretty good by itself. No, it does not. It does not clarify anything. It doesn't even pass the smell test. So let me play for you again what the president said 32 hours ago, what he's just referring to there. My people came to me, Dan Coates came to me and some others. They said they think it's Russia. Uh, I have uh, President Putin. Uh, He just said it's not Russia. I will say this. I don't see any reason why it would be. I don't see any reason why it would be. Okay, so everybody makes mistakes. Trump's explanation that he meant wouldn't instead of would might stand a chance of being plausible, except for a few reasons, one of which is this. That was just one of multiple times in that same press conference that he sided with Russia. Do you hold Russia at all accountable for anything in particular and if so what would you what would you consider them that they are responsible for yes i do i hold uh, both countries responsible i think that the united states has been foolish i think we've all been foolish i will tell you that president putin was extremely strong and powerful in his denial today look it is what it is this is consistent what he's been with what he's been saying over the past year he said what he meant and he said it again and again the u.s has been foolish putin was strong and powerful in his denials it just makes it a bit absurd to say that the president just misspoke that one time on this whole would wouldn't thing keep in mind if he did misspeak okay this is the other issue that one time 
and, and none of the others, where he expressed the same sentiment. He had 28 hours of condemnation from U.S. intelligence and his own party to correct the record. He failed to do so in any of those 28 hours. In fact, during that time, he conducted two interviews with Fox News. He tweeted nine times. His administration released talking points defending his performance at the summit. Not once did the president or his aides in 28 hours try to say that the president of the United States misspoke. Again, in one of the multiple times that he praised Putin and took his side. So the president's explanation does not add up, and neither does his assertion today that he accepts America's intelligence agency conclusion that Russia attacked the American 2016 election. Because today, even when he was reading a prepared script accepting the intelligence community's conclusions, the real Donald Trump reared his head. I accept our intelligence community's conclusion that Russia's meddling in the 2016 election took place. Could be other people also. Uh, there's a lot of people out there. There are a lot of people out there. That is true. But on this particular issue, no. Look, the thing is, and we all know it at this point, is that is what Trump really thinks, okay? Because he has said it before. Maybe there is no hacking, but they always blame Russia. And the reason they blame Russia is because they think they're trying to tarnish me with Russia. I'll go along with Russia. Could have been China. Could have been a lot of different groups. It also could be somebody sitting on their bed that weighs 400 pounds, okay? Maybe it was a 400-pound Russian. U.S. intelligence agencies do not blame other people. They don't talk about how many other people there are on this planet that possibly could have been uh, done this. No, this is very clear, right? It's Russia, not a 400-pound man, Putin, who is far from that. But the President of the United States is incapable of accepting this, because at the very least we know this. He thinks it calls his election victory into question. Caitlin Collins is out front live at the White House tonight. And, Caitlin, you are learning a lot more about the scramble behind the scenes, the meeting at the White House uh, today uh, that the president attended to contain this damage. We are, Aaron. The president's big retreat came after his top national security advisors huddled today to try to figure out how to undo the damage that had been done in that press conference in Helsinki when the president embraced the Russian president over United States intelligence agencies. The Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, the national security advisor John Bolton, and Vice President Mike Pence all huddled in the Situation Room today discussing what it was the president should say to try to clarify or try to fix what they could after there was severe backlash, not just uh, in Helsinki, but also back here in Washington in response to the president's remarks at that press conference after it became quite clear today, Aaron, that a tweet was not going to suffice to fix the damage that had been done here. We saw the president come out. He gave those very scripted remarks saying that it was simply a miscommunication. He said one word when he meant another. But Aaron, of course, if you watched that press conference, it doesn't nullify that the president did embrace Vladimir Putin several times and gave a lot of voice to his denials of election meddling. He did indeed, Caitlin. As you point out, when he came out today, it was scripted, except for when it wasn't, right? And it wasn't just what he said. We've pointed out some of the issues with that, but also what he left out, right? 
Yeah, quite a stunning contrast in the president's off-the-cuff remarks yesterday when he was asked questions by reporters, was not given any advice by advisors on how to answer those questions. And then today when we saw him sitting there in the cabinet room reading off several sheets of paper, and the cameras, of course, zoomed in on these remarks of the president's, and you could see in his classic Sharpie that he uses to mark up papers right there, you can see the president crossing out one line where it said something about bringing people involved in election meddling to justice and adding another line in all caps in a black sharpie that is the president's handwriting to say there was no collusion because of course the president didn't come out today and just say he did believe our intelligence agencies even though he contradicted them in the next breath he had to make clear he got his argument in there that there was no collusion collusion aaron all right thank you very much caitlin uh, pretty stunning i don't know something about seeing that in black and white on the paper after it was prepared what he added and what he took out says so much. Out front now, senior political analyst Mark Preston, April Ryan, White House correspondent for American Urban Radio Networks, and Steve Hall, who was the CIA chief of Russia operations and has spent a lot of time in Moscow. Um, thanks to all. So, Mark, uh, look, we now know the president is the one who went in the room and said, I've got this idea, mm -hmm. right? I'm going to say I misspoke. But I'm only going to say I misspoke once, not any of the other times where I expressed uh, pretty much the same sentiment. I mean, I, I, I say this, and I'm not saying it tongue-in-cheek. How stupid does he think we are? Well, short answer is that he thinks we're very stupid. And uh, in many ways, you can't argue against that. He has gotten away with this ever since he came down that escalator when he announced his presidency. We have seen him time and time again say one thing uh, that is outrageous, that causes anger. Uh, then he turns around and acts like he never said it. Now, the problem that we're facing right now, Aaron, is that he enjoys an 80% approval rating amongst Republicans. Mm -hmm. So when we're attacking Republicans on Capitol Hill for not doing enough, uh, in many ways, they're flummoxed. They're running scared. They don't know how to deal with Donald Trump. In many ways, he has become a president on his own without any allies, that yes. the only people that are supporting him right now are those who fear him. And, 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 and the question is here, April, is whether all of this will matter. I mean, you know, you heard Caitlin just go through, right, what he added. There was no collusion, but what he crossed out. And that's what I want to ask you about, right? These are prepared remarks. He goes and he reads them. He was supposed to read uh, one that said uh, anyone involved in that meddling to justice, you know, brought to justice, right? And he, he, he took that out. Yeah. Uh, anyone involved in collusion. Yeah. How telling is that? It's very telling. Words matter. And I mean, Aaron, think about this. When the president goes off script, he's rogue and he causes mass pandemonium. Look at what happened in Charlottesville. He went off script. It took him five or six times to, to, to correct it because the nation was in an uproar. Now the world is in an uproar for what he said. When a president speaks, speaks, it's strategic. You have people who go through and vet what the president says at least 20 or so times before it's, it's delivered. And that's in a prior White House. This time the president went off script when he was in Helsinki Monday. This president uh, supported Vladimir Putin, he, he basically uh, said, I trust you without verification. The words of a president are strategic, and the words of the president are important. They shape markets, they create peace, they create war, and they also help with our lives. So when this president goes back and changes it a day later, understanding Republicans and Democrats are upset, and the world community is laughing, and this president says things like, you know, you're unpatriotic for this. People are saying what he did was unpatriotic. He cannot change what he's already done. History is showing it. So, Steve, you know, 
even when he said, I accept the intelligence community's assessment, he had to add, ad lib, uh, the caveat. And let me just uh, play part of it again for you. I accept our intelligence community's conclusion that Russia's meddling in the 2016 election took place. Could be other people also. And he continued to say there's lots of other people. That is not the conclusion of the intelligence agencies. What's the reaction there? Uh, you know, it can't be anything but, uh, I mean, my, my former colleagues in the intelligence community, not just CIA, but NSA and all these other places that, that also do very important and very difficult work against the Russian target. It's some of the most difficult stuff that we do. And to hear the president, you know, in almost a hostage, you know, letter reading type of situation say, okay, okay, yes, they were right. But then again, there might have been others as well. It, it's not something that, that increases morale. It's not something that you go home in the evening as an intelligence officer and say, I'm doing really hard stuff, but it's worth it. It's really, it's, it's got to be bad for morale. It's really interesting how you but, put it. But like Aaron, Aaron reading, hold, hold on one second, April. I'm just saying to, to Steve, like a hostage reading situation. Yeah. He seemed extremely uncomfortable reading that. Yeah, and, and I think it's also against the backdrop of, uh, you know, I think there's a lot of people, certainly at least at CIA, who remember him, uh, you know, referring to the agency as, you know, Nazi-like. Uh, and, and all of this thing, people don't forget these things, especially the ones who are doing the hardest work, uh, which is against these hard targets like the Russians. And it's just, it's just really debilitating, I think. Right. April? Aaron, from day one, this president has had a hard time dealing with the intelligence community. I mean, look at what just happened with uh, General McMaster. He let him go um, because he did not agree with him. And this man is, is, has known the world, traveled the world.
George Wilder Jr. show. And I'm going to say this. I talked about this at the beginning of the show. Do something with your life. You have to do something with your life. I talk to uh, kids uh, like this all the time uh, in some places. Do something with your life. I mean, you got some losers out here. You got some failures out here. You don't have to be a loser. You don't have to be a failure. I mean, and this goes at any age. I mean, if you're 65 years old and you haven't uh, lived your dream, live your dream. If you're 75 years old and you're still uh, want, wanting to make something of yourself in your life, go out and do it. If you're 85 and you're in good health, your knees are killing you or whatever, you're not in a wheelchair. Uh, even if you are in a wheelchair, you can always use your mind. But do something with your life. There's too many people out here. Walking the streets every day, and they're doing nothing with their lives. They're just out there. I mean, you know, I, and I've said this before: stop working for someone else and work for yourself. If you're able to do it, if you can, you got a little money set aside. Work for yourself. It's it, it, it's a good feeling, knowing that you don't have a supervisor or a manager looking over your shoulder, micromanaging, uh, or you're doing things for yourself. If you can't get out here and work for yourself, then make it a future plan to do so. I mean, you you have to start somewhere. You don't want to be working for someone all your life because all you're doing is making them rich. You're making them more money. You're making more money for them than they're giving you. You can believe that, you know. I mean, if you're making uh, $15 an hour, you, <laughs> they're going to get more than $15 an hour from you uh, in terms of labor. So do something with your life. Do something with your life, especially if you're young and you're, and you're energetic, you're strong, you're healthy. Why waste it? Do something positive. Do something great in your community. Do something out here in the world to help people because a lot of people actually need motivating People need motivating. In some cases, people need leadership. They need a kick in their pants sometimes to get them to do uh, the things that's going to benefit them. Sometimes they need a kick in the butt, not a soft one, not not a uh, a real kick. (laughs) Like we want to kick Donald Trump, right? Uh, Do something with your life. Do something great. Nobody's going to knock on your door and say, "Here's here's the job that you've been looking for. Nobody's going to knock on your door and and say, we're looking for you to work for us. Nobody's going to knock on your door and give you a million bucks. Nobody's going to do anything. You have to go out there and find it. Nothing's going to come to you. Believe me. You you want something? You want something great out of life? You want to be something? You want to make something out of yourself? Go out and find it. Find it. It's out there. Whatever you want to do in the world, it's out there. Uh, it's out there. You know, I mean, do something with yourself. Do something with your life. Have a goal. Have ambition. Have drive. Have know-how. And do not take no for an answer. I mean, when you're going out here and you're trying to make something of yourself, make sure you are ready for it. I mean, don't go, don't go out here and you're not ready for it. Do not go out and start looking for uh, your dream if you're not ready for it. 
You're going to go out and looking for something? Make sure you're ready for it. Make sure you're prepared. Make sure you're going to knock them dead. Make sure you're going to – and always think positive. Never think negative uh, because negative uh, – thinking negative drains your positive juices. Never think – even if you get turned down at an interview, do not walk out of the interview feeling negative. I remember every time I used to go to an interview – and a lot of the a lot of those interviews wasted my time, and a lot of them did it on purpose. But every time I um, uh, gone to an interview back in the day, um, when I said at that interview, answering the questions that this guy or girl was uh, female was throwing at me from behind their desk, my mind was thinking I was thinking about the next interview. You know, I'm always thinking about the next interview. I go to an interview, I'm answering, uh, why do you want to work here? You know, I'm answering the question, but all at the same, uh, but at the same time, I'm thinking about the next interview. The, when I leave that particular interview, I'm thinking about what I'm going to, uh, what the next interview is going to be like. And when I get to that interview, I'm thinking about what the following <laughs> interview is going to be like, because I'm always going to be uh, looking for my dream job or whatever I want to do, it's going to be constantly moving. So therefore, if they, if that first interview, uh, you don't get that position there, you know, it won't be so hard on you once they say, well, uh, you're not what we're looking for. It won't be so hard on you because you will be at the next interview. Why are you hearing from that one, whether it's positive or negative? So, I will tell people, you know, you go to an interview if you're looking for a job. And I've said that, you know, a lot of us have to have it because a lot of us are not business minded people. So we have to work for someone else. And if you have to work for someone else and you're out looking for a job, when you get to that first interview, make sure you're thinking about the next interview that you're going to be going to, even though you're answering questions from this, this first interview, this particular interview. It's a great way to think. And that way you won't be feeling down and depressed if you do not get the um, the position from the first interview that you've given. You might get the second one. You might get the third one. And that's one of the things I used to do. I never stopped. When I went out here looking for a job, I never stopped looking. I mean, if I'm going to go apply here, then I got, I, I got a, <laughs> a sheet of paper with about six or seven, eight jobs to apply for. You know, so when when I when I whenever I go to an interview or went to an interview, the first thing that will come to my mind, I hope they don't be wasting my time because I have another interview to go to after this. So but a lot of interviews they will waste your time. They will totally waste your time. You know, they know they're not gonna hire you. They excuse me, they know that they're not gonna hire you before they even ask you in for an interview. It's like wasting your time. And sometimes you walk into an interview, the first sight of you, they'll tell you that, hey, I mean, they know that they're not going to hire you just by the way you look. So they're going to sit you down and talk to you anyway, ask you questions anyway, and they're not going to hire you. Well, we got more people to interview, so uh, we'll let you know if anything happens, you know. So you know that's a negative, right? But, you know, but you don't feel you don't feel down. You don't feel uh left out of it because you've been turned down or a job didn't hire you. You keep going. You keep and you go with enthusiasm. You know, you you can also think like this. Well, they didn't hire me. So, you know, they didn't get the best. 
they turned down the best person that they could ever have had for that particular job. You look at it that way, and that would give you the adrenaline to go to the next interview and the next interview and the next interview until you finally nail the job you're looking for. You never quit. You never stop. You don't give up because giving up means giving in, and you don't want to do that. Your dream is out there. Go for it. Go for it. If you have to go to school and graduate, if you don't have a diploma or something, uh, you didn't graduate high school, hey, take a GED classes and get your GED. If you need to go to college and get your associate degree, do it in order to uh, live your dream or get the dream job you want. Because so, uh, so, uh, some people have been telling me, even teachers have been saying, you really don't need to go to a four-year university. You really don't. All you really need is that associate degree, that two- or three-year degree. And you are open up for every kind of professional job out here, making uh, six figures with that associate degree and probably a lot of, probably a lot of experience, too. So you don't always need to go to a four-year university unless you want to be a doctor, maybe a lawyer. And a four-year university won't even get you a, uh, uh, a law degree. You have to go to law school. You can do four years at a university, and then you have to go to four-year law school. And there's no term. And then after law school, you have to take the bar before you <laughs> – so it's a lot you have to go through. Even medical school. I mean, you go to medical school to be a doctor, you know, and then there's other schools and there's other tests after that. They want to make sure that when you get into the operating room, you're not going to kill anybody. But if you are not looking to be a doctor or a lawyer, I would say skip a university. However, uh, community college or, you know, or whatever they call it, or uh, uh, city college, that's vital. I think that's vital. And I want to say another thing is that um, kids kids that are coming out of public schools, they are not prepared for college. Majority of the kids that come out of public schools, I even had teachers tell me this, and I've had uh, social workers and caseworkers tell me this, but they didn't have to because I knew that public schools are – ill-educating our children. That is no doubt about that. That's, that's a lot of these public schools are. I mean, you think about it. A lot of these kids that go to some of these public schools, they don't have books. They don't have homework. They don't have reading assignments when they get home. They don't have outside assignments when they get home. They just, after school every day, they're just out in the streets because they have nothing to do after school. And that's wrong. And that's wrong. And there's a lot of uh, other things uh, 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 pertaining to kids not getting a well-educated from being well-educated from public schools. A lot of kids who have graduated high school, their parents are glad as hell that they're out of there. And the kids come home, they graduate, uh, they come home, they graduate from uh, high school. They don't know jack about history. They don't know nothing about slavery. Uh, only thing they know about Martin Luther King is that he has a, a holiday. They know nothing. 
They know nothing about business. They know nothing about politics. They know nothing about nothing. They're just out of school. And you, and, and some, if they're lucky enough, they'll go to college. And then some will go to college with a low-point GPA. And that low-point GPA is going to cause you not to get a scholarship or even financial aid. So a lot of these public schools are not teaching the kids what they used to teach when we were going to school. I mean, when we went to school, we had books. We had homework. We had something to do. We had science projects. Not now. Not anymore. I remember I bought my son uh, two or $300 worth of um, um, school supplies. Do you know he didn't use any of it? He went to school for a whole year with those school supplies and didn't use not one piece of paper. I bought him folders, I, rulers, binders, notebook paper. Pencils, pens, highlighters, you name it. And he didn't use any of it. Going to school every day, and they did not. It's sitting right here. Everything that I purchased for my son uh, a year ago for school, he brought it right back after he graduated. It's right here. What did I do? Waste my money? I mean, I bought you $200 worth of uh, uh, school supplies. I spent every cent I had on it, and yet he didn't use any of it. What did he do with it? He took it to school. All of that supplies, he took them to school. What did he do with them? The teachers told him to put it in the locker, to put everything in the locker. And none of that school supplies, none of the school supplies that I purchased for my son was used. None of it. They have a different way of teaching and that I don't agree with. Two plus two is not four anymore in the minds of some, of some of these educators out here in public schools. Four plus four is not eight anymore. It's like long division to try to get the answer, which is totally ridiculous. So uh, a lot of parents like myself, they're glad as hell that their kids are out of public schools. But the kids who remain in public schools will get the same as a lot of other kids who have graduated. They're going to get a very, very poor and lenient education, and then they will get the boot to make room for other uh, kids who are coming up who will get the same uh, uh, inferior education from public schools. I, I, I didn't want to say that. I, didn't, I never wanted to say that ed, uh, education uh, in public schools were inferior, but they are. Even some of the teachers, some of the principals, some of the vice principals, some of the people who work in the offices at some of these schools are saying the same thing. They, they're saying it silently because they don't want to lose their jobs, but I've talked to too many of them who agree with me that a lot of these kids in some of these public schools are just not being educated. The next thing you know, they're graduating. They're graduating with a less than 3.0 GPA, grade point average. 
some of these kids are graduating and reading at a third grade level, doing math at a third grade level, but they're graduating high school. The state is just kicking them out, regardless of what their GPA is. You know, and there are so many uh, schools that lower the grade average for a lot of these kids so they can make sure that these kids pass by lowering their grade or tinkering with their grades just so they can pass. The school looks good, but we get more dummies on the street. All right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show on Block Talk Radio. Once again, I want to thank my guest. Um, my guest, uh, Celine Healy, for being on the show. She was a great uh, uh, asset to the show, and I do appreciate it. And I hope that she does come back to tell us some more good news about what she's doing and what she's writing. Yeah, she's writing, and it's great. I, I, I'm a writer, too, folks, as you probably know that. But uh, I love have, having writers on the show because I learn a little bit, a little bit of something also. But the show is not always about writers. It's always about you and and, uh, and and making the world a better place. I think that's the first time I've said that today, <laughs> making the world a better, better place than, than what it was. But now um, I think we're going to have to uh, tear it down and, and rebuild it because, you know, Republicans have screwed it all up. All right. Uh, this is the George Wilder Jr. Show signing off. I'm going to thank everybody for listening. Thanks. Make sure you join me tomorrow and next week. Uh, we're going to have some great guests on the show. We're going to have other topics. I'm going to try and have other topics, topic, topics, if I can say it, if Donald Trump <laughs> and the Republicans, if they don't give me something nasty to say, then uh, we'll just see where that goes. I want to thank everybody. Have a great evening. Have a great morning. Have a great afternoon. Wherever you might find yourself listening to the show, have a great weekend. Just have a good one, folks. And remember to vote blue. Let's get let's get these scoundrels out of office. So vote blue, everybody. Thank you for listening. And we will see you tomorrow uh, and hopefully next week.
lay me down before I go to sleep. In a troubled world, I pray the Lord to keep, keep hatred from the mighty and the mighty from the small. 